Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you, and I haven't spoken here in front of a church in a long time, so I forgot the little procedures here and there. And uh, so I appreciate your patience with me. And uh, before I start, before I forget, I promised to mention several things. Uh, one of them is happy birthday to Gregory tomorrow, and to Sabianka um, a couple of days, and Shelo Sverko, yeah? Yes, happy birthday to all of you. And I don't want to forget that. And uh, um, Gregory, I, I hope you uh, reach 100, and then we'll talk about it after you reach 100, right? <laughs> okay, a um, couple more things. Uh, first of all, we are going to... Um, somebody, a couple people asked me about um, uh, the seminar on, on, uh, or, the, or the meeting on, on the Mark of the Beast. And uh, I promise to have one of those uh, pretty soon, probably next month, uh, September or October, uh, after church in the afternoon. And in addition to talking about the Mark of the Beast from the Bible, because we need to explain to the people from the Bible what that is, uh, we're also going to talk about the digital currency. Uh, maybe you're not familiar with it. I found out uh, from a sermon a couple weeks ago about digital currency, the government is working on, on changing uh, or, or converting our paper money into digital form, format, uh, which means uh, complete, and, uh, complete and total control of the U.S. population. That's what that means. Now, to what extent this is going to happen, we don't know yet, but they are working on it. Uh, if you go to Google digital currency, you'll find all kinds of information and uh, you will see that uh, uh, buying and selling is going to be a problem for the Adventists in the near future, or for anybody else that doesn't want to comply with the government. So digital currency is something we will be talking about when um, uh, next time we meet about the mark of the beast. A um, couple more things. If you want a copy of these slides, we can give it to you. There are 34 slides, and uh, on the paper there's like 16 pages of it. Uh, for your reference, we can always make you a copy of it, and uh, uh, so you can uh, uh, reference at home. Also, I would like to uh, hear some comments from you regarding my presentation. What's wrong with it? What what can I do to make it easier or better for everybody next time? And so, please uh, give me a comments after the uh, after church service. Um, if you want to stone me for for what I'm doing, that's fine too. <laughs> I was encouraged by the leadership here to preach this sermon, and I told them exactly what I'm going to preach. So, and they said, if, if it's Bible and spirit of prophecy, go right ahead. And uh, so that's what that's what this is all about. Um, so before we start, uh, let's just have a word of prayer, a quick word of prayer, and uh, uh, ask the Lord to uh, uh, send His Holy Spirit to help us. Heavenly Father, thank you again for being with us. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us always. And we thank you for the information that you blessed us with, Lord. We praise your name. And uh, we also want to uh, remind all of us that this, this message is from you, Lord, uh, with the information for the last days, how to prepare for it so that we can be counted in heaven when you come. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's going to be working on my heart, Lord, as I present the message, and on the hearts of all of us here to realize and understand uh, how serious the situation is going to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Thank you, everyone. And we're going to start today, uh, with, and this is what we're going to cover. I uh, made it as easy as I can for you, and uh, with as fewer information as possible, and also to bring the point across. We're going to talk about the, uh, the uh, decoding of enemy orders. We're going to talk about the some apostasies, Alpha and Omega. And we're going to talk about ourselves a little bit too. How to avoid becoming the agent of Satan. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the heavenly character. Oh, by the way, if you have any questions and you're just burning to say something, please do raise your hand. I'll be happy to uh, stop for a minute and try to answer your question if I can. So don't hesitate to ask questions uh, as, we, as we go through this presentation. So the purpose of this sermon 
When I put the sermon together, I had one thing in mind. Only one thing in mind. Salvation of, of, of people. What can I do, having the information in my possession, uh, to disseminate or to tell the people uh, about the end time, how things are going to turn out, what can I do to help people understand and uh, uh, better prepare for what is coming? You may think that nothing is going to happen, everything looks uh, good around us, and uh, we got a job, we got food on the table, and so on. Things are going to change. Things are going to change. And um, so, uh, the, the, the message or, or the, uh, the qu- quote here that I have is, uh, uh, will I join a minority when, when the time when the, to remain faithful? I always am reminded of the fact that uh, Spirit of Prophecy says that the minority will stay, stay faithful. Elsewhere she say, minority meaning less than 50%. And she says, majority will leave us, as uh, uh, some quotes. So how do I make sure that this church, 50% plus, will stay in the church and will stay faithful? That's my whole goal of this uh, presentation today. Make sure that all of us here, if possible, all of us will be in heaven when Jesus comes. So that's the whole purpose of this. I have no other purpose, no other goals, no other agendas, nothing, absolutely nothing. Otherwise, I wouldn't stay here uh, or spend hours and hours putting this together. It took a quite a time to gather all the information and all the quotes together and reading four or five books and stuff. So uh, it took a little bit of time to put this together because I take this very, uh, very seriously. Uh, as a matter of fact, every sermon that I preach uh, I take it very, very seriously because uh, it could be a uh, life or death situation for somebody in, in the church or in my audience. And uh, the last here that says, where do I stand on each issue presented? As, I, as we go through this, uh, there will be some issues presented, and I want you to think for yourself, where do I stand with these issues that we are talking about? Am I on the Lord's side? If I'm not sure about something, why am I not sure? And how do I correct the problem? What do I have to do to better understand what's going on so that my, my decisions and my mind is going to be with Jesus to, to, uh, to the end? And um, I have a couple of quotes here at the end, at the bottom, that, said, that talks about the, God's people will be tested, will be tested by fiery trials, and great, great pro- proportion of those who now appear genuine uh, will uh, uh, end true will prove to be a base metal. Uh, and she says, small portion will be ready for Jesus' second coming. And um, am I going to change the prophecy? I don't know. If I change, uh, is this church going to be exception to the rule? I don't know. I hope so. I pray so that, that the majority people in this church will stay true to the message, to the teachings of the Adventist Church, of the Bible teachings, actually, as the uh, leadership is, is leading the church uh, towards. So that's where we are at the moment. Um, the agents of Satan. My, my quote uh, is in, from great controversy that I got. Uh, we don't want to be agents of Satan. But as we see in this presentation, it is not very difficult it is not very difficult to become an agent of Satan. And you'll see this in the sermon, uh, what I mean. So be patient with me and uh, try to understand uh, what I'm talking about and why I'm saying what I'm saying. Because there's a purpose for all this. And we'll, we'll have some examples from history how this was true in the Adventist church in the past history. So... Um, the quote here from the uh, Bible commentary, the forces of darkness will unite with the human agents. This is true. God has his people. He's, he's uh, sending the Holy Spirit. The, his angels are uniting with his people to proclaim the message, to uh, uh, do whatever needs to be done. And so does uh, Satan. I mean, you can't escape this, the fact that uh, Satan is doing the same thing. And... Um, the message or the quote is this, is, this is a sad message, but it is true. From great controversy, um, the uh, Sabbath keepers, this is at the end of time, just before the second coming, 
when the Sunday law is enacted, um, <clears throat> those that will leave the church, and she says that they're going to become most efficient agents of Satan. Now, why are they most efficient? Because they have been in the church. They share the beliefs of the church. They know the church. They know the people. So it is not very difficult for them to pass the information to the people outside the church. That's why they are very, very efficient uh, in that respect. So we need to understand and keep this in mind that we don't become the, the uh, efficient sa- uh, message, uh, agents of Satan. She also said that we have far more to fear from within. Just like Christ, same thing. Uh, Christ uh, had a problem within his group of 12, with Judas, not from the Pharisees as much. So uh, that's what we have to also worry about. And if somebody is straying and going different direction with, uh, with the uh, original message or biblical messages, we need to talk to these individuals, try to persuade them to come back and keep the message and why and so on. So we, that also requires us understanding the message, understanding why we are Seventh-day Adventists and what are the responsibility that we have in front of God for being a Seventh-day Adventist, for having this information. What I'm going to share with you today, nobody else on this planet has this information. No other church will have this information. So, um, Moving on, and um, the Bible speaks about the deception in the last last days, especially Matthew 24, and I just quoted a couple of them here. And um, so Christ warned the people at the end, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived. All over the place, don't be deceived. Romans, uh, people speak, speaking smooth words, flattering speech, deceiving the hearts of the simple. Okay, now, uh, in order for not to be deceived, you have to understand what you believe and why you believe it. You have, you have to understand the issues, you have to understand the message, you have to understand the teaching, so that you will discriminate between the right and wrong. So deceptions will be prevalent, and uh, or widespread, if you want, in the last days, um, as, we, as we approach the last days. <clears throat> Now, uh, you probably remember this from before. I preached this sermon eight years ago, I think. Was it eight years ago, Ron? Do you remember it? Remember uh, this? Um, but it was too long then. It was like an hour and, an hour and a half, and the uh, church started leaving. People started leaving. But um, this time I will make it, I'll keep it within 45 minutes, by the way. Um, so the, um, the, uh, Satan is, is, uh, is planning to do some things uh, at the end of the time to make sure that as few people as possible will be, will be faithful to God. So you have to kind of put yourself in his shoes and, and figure out, uh, you know, what, what, what methods is he going to use to accomplish this? And um, especially is he interested in, uh, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church? Why Seventh-day Adventist Church? Because we have the truth. We preach the truth. We preach the Ten Commandments. We can preach the Sabbath, sanctuary, state of the dead, and so on. Well, other churches don't do this. So he's not concerned about the other churches. That, that, that's his uh, territory, and he doesn't have to worry about that. His concern is Sabbath keepers and the people that will disrupt the system, so to speak, because the majority of people will be on one side, and you have these few remnants that are just going against the grain or against... Uh, and they are just causing problems for the rest of the world. That's what's going to be uh, down to. And um, so he's very much concerned about the uh, people in the Adventist church. And um, uh, so it is, uh, uh, it is important that we understand this, that he is after us. Okay? He's going to do all, all kinds of things to... Uh, to to, uh, uh, to accomplish these purposes, and one thing about here uh, under under B, uh, people don't investigate by them uh, by themselves. That's important. We need to understand what we believe and why we believe it, and we may make sure that we are standing on the firm ground with our beliefs. That nobody can come to us and say, 
Well, we need to do, uh, do some reformation in the church. The things we believed was old and old-fashioned, and we don't do things uh, that way anymore. And we need to change. Okay? God's truth does not change. And the message that he gave to the Adventist church uh, to disseminate to the world does not change. The same, it's the same message that, that, that was 200 years ago, 150 years ago. So, but we need to um, um, understand and we need to be able to, uh, uh, to preach the message to others. So Satan is counting on people that, are, uh, that do not investigate for themselves. That's what he's counting on. So we need to make sure that whatever we need to do in the church, via seminars, via uh, uh, preachings, uh, uh, whatever, we need to make sure that we understand what we believe in and why we believe it, so that nobody can change you. Okay? Uh, and what is goal? Well, what his goal? Uh, where did I get this so far? Um, so that's what his plans are for the Sabbath keepers, and he's focusing on the Sabbath keepers, like I said, and um, he wants to hold the people uh, in darkness, and as long as he can. Now, the, the, the goal for him is to hold the people in darkness until the probation closes. Once the probation closes, he's done. People that accepted his message are done, and it's all done. I mean, it, it, it's finished. It's done. So we need to understand that... Uh, uh, I hope this doesn't change by itself. Um, I hope... And, uh, we, we need to understand that uh, that's what his purpose is. And um, so uh, he's going to work, number one. He's going to first work to the ministers in the church. There are, there are a lot of unfaithful ministers with the Adventist church. Let's be honest with ourselves. They are. And I've seen some of them. I've seen ministers that really don't care about the members. And um, I think it was uh, in one church here in locally that uh, uh, ministers told the, the members, says, if you don't like my messages, if you don't like my, uh, my leadership, so you go to another church. He couldn't care less about that person. All he is in for is, is, is his paycheck and the, uh, his uh, retirement. I mean, to him, being a minister of the gospel and, and uh, leading a church is just a job. Like business, same thing as a business. You're in there to, you know, in a business, you, you're, uh, your job is to make money for the, uh, for the company and make money, money for yourself. And when you're done... At night, you go home and you're done with it. So, same thing with the church. That's not the way it's supposed to be, okay? But that's the way it is today in some churches with some, uh, with some ministers. I'm not talking about the uh, Brooklyn church. Brooklyn is, is exception to the rule. I'm not talking about the Brooklyn at all. So, let's, uh, let's, not, uh, uh, let's not go too far with that. Um, I'm sure there are issues and problems in the church, too, and the, among the members, but... but Basically, generally, the leadership here is, is good. I really uh, enjoy the, uh, the, how they uh, take care of everything. Um, in addition to using um, um, leaders uh, in the church or ministers in the church, and they can use the ministers, uh, Satan can use ministers in the church because they don't, people believe them. People do not investigate for themselves. Yes. And people do not go from cause to effect. So for not investigating for themselves, not eating for themselves, they believe what the ministers uh, say. And if they like minister, they're going to follow that minister. Okay? Whether he's right or not, they're going to follow him. And that's what Satan is counting on. He's counting on people that do not investigate and uh, that will not be, uh, that will not, that will not uh, uh, read. Uh, but he's also going to use secular leaders outside the uh, church. So Satan is shooting from all directions. He's going in the church first, going to work with the, with, the, uh, with the ministers. Now he's going to work with the leaders outside the church. Okay? And then he's going to come up with a uh, uh, law that will, uh, uh, that will uh, put the people in jail and death penalty for the Sabbath keepers. Uh, and on the, he's counting on if he if he takes like Job if you uh, 
if you give up everything, then you're going to give up your faith eventually. That's what he's counting on. But that may not be true. With some people, it may be because when you are in duress, when you are uh, in, in, uh, uh, pushed uh, in the corner, you start to rationalize. Okay, well, maybe not be exactly, uh, my, my beliefs are not exactly the way that, that I used to think, and we can change this and, and give up this and stuff like that. That's what happens with people when they are in difficult situations. And that's what he is um, counting on. He also counts on the fact that, uh, you know, if he pronounces death penalty for everybody, then uh, for all the well, Sabbath keepers, that majority will switch to his side. That's, the, uh, that's his uh, goal. And um, <clears throat> he's, not, he's not afraid to use force, by the way. Look at the word that they use. I will finally have a law to exterminate. Now, we all know what exterminate means, right? Wipe out completely, annihilate. And so he's not afraid to get rid of the people physically uh, uh, to, to the very end. And uh, he's, uh, he's hoping that, uh, that he's going to uh, gain ground by uh, doing that. And uh, this death penalty, by the way, I put a note here, is a phase four of Sunday law. Uh, I don't know if you remember from the end time events, the Sunday law has four phases. This is the last phase of the Sunday law, uh, the last phase of the, of the Sunday legislation. And the Sunday law is after the plague number two. Uh, in, the, uh, uh, in, the, uh, in the end time event sequence, in sequencing the events. So uh, that is what, what he's counting on. And he's also counting on having the uh, uh, agents of Satan, agents uh, in the Adventist church. And uh, now he's going after the people, uh, ordinary people like you and me, in the church. So what can I do to get these people to switch the sides? One way to do it is to get them to eat a lot, okay, and um, to do things that are not supposed to do, because we, don't, we usually don't think of these things, appetite and lower passions, we don't think of those things as being very essential for salvation. Well, think again. What about Eve? Okay. Was it essential for salvation for Eve? Of course it was. Uh, well, the, the appetite. Now, what he's proposing to do is um, to, uh, by uh, indulging in the appetite and lower passions, he plans on, on confusing the judgment and destroy discrimination, which is true, which is very true. If you're not careful with your body, then you're, gonna, uh, you're not going to be able to discriminate between the right and wrong, okay? If you eat too much and your body is always filled and and uh, overworked, you, your mind is not clear, and you cannot think straight. Okay, so we now be careful to subdue our, our appetite, if, if one has a big appetite, sometimes I do too, um, and um, so that we can discriminate, and we can, our mind can always be clear, and always be on guard. So that's what is, so this, keep in mind, Confusing judgment and destroying discrimination, that's what he plans to do by working with ordinary people. If, if, the, uh, 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 work, well, if you don't believe the ministers, you don't follow the ministers, then that's what, he's, what he wants you to do. Then he's going to go after money and property. Okay? Why do you think we give tithes and offerings? Is God really after money? Doesn't he own uh, camels and a thousand hills? That was what the uh, psalm says. Yes, we do need to support the work. No question about that. In addition to supporting the work, what's he trying to teach us? He's trying to teach us not to be selfish. Not to be selfish. To be able to give. To be able to give up. To be able to sacrifice. That's what he is after. So in addition to supporting God's work, and uh, we, he does not want us to be selfish. Now, what, what's Satan counting on? He's counting, we know that every selfish, covetous person will fall 
under our power and will finally be separated from Christ, from God's people. Okay? He knows that. So he's working on our, on our heart to make us a little bit selfish. Not too much selfish. Still pay ties, but you know, still will draw, uh, keep uh, uh, attached to the money and to the property. Okay? And it, it is difficult. Uh, when we built a house three years ago, I told my wife, I said, I don't want to be attached to this house and to this property. But as you uh, work and live there, it's becoming difficult not to be attached because you live there, it's yours, and you, you, know, you know every inch of it. So, but we need to be always warning about that, 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 the, that what we have is not uh, that important when it comes to the end time events and giving up everything for Jesus. And uh, my question at the bottom is, are you ready to give up everything for Jesus? And this is something that you have to personally be able to answer this question. Um, Now, lovers of pleasures. Um, um, There are people in the church, and again, I'm not, I don't know who they are, but there are people in the church who uh, would like to who are more concerned about uh, living well and, spend, and, and having a good time than they are about uh, uh, God's work and uh, their life and their, uh, is not sanctified. And Satan also counts on using them, uh, making them his agents. And he's also after people uh, in the church that are, that are talented, intelligent, and uh, he wants to use them also as his agents. Okay? There's nothing being, having a college degree, being talented, intelligent, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you're using it and channeling it in the right direction. That's what counts. God wants people in the church that can do different things. There are people that, that uh, talented people that do, they can work on the plumbing and something. And they, you know, we need those too. And we need people with the college degrees too. We need those to do things that, that the others cannot. So the God is happy to have variety of people in the church. Nothing wrong with that. The problem is if you use your intelligence, and we'll see this in, in a couple of minutes here, when you use your intelligence for a wrong reason, Amen. that's where the problem is. So You've got to be always uh, worrying about what am I doing with, with, with the knowledge I have? What am I doing with my talents? And how am I using these talents for the glory of God? Okay, that's what counts. Okay, it doesn't matter. Did you, did you have a question? Oh, no. Uh, it doesn't matter your wealth or your uh, money in the bank. Or that makes no difference. That's, that's, not, that's not the point here. It's how you're using uh, the information or, or, uh, or the knowledge that you have for the glory of God. That's what counts. Amen. <clears throat> Um, so conformity to the world is important, and um, we are, uh, some people are cons- uh, concerned about that too. We don't want to bring the world into the church, okay? A person coming from outside into the church, he doesn't want to see the world in church. He just came from the world, and he doesn't want to, uh, he will look, he's looking for something different, Okay? Something different that the world does not offer. And we need to worry about that quite a bit in this church, that the world does not come to the, uh, to the church. That we should go into the world, preach and witness, but the world should not be part of our church or our individual existence either, because we, we, we don't want to be, uh, focus ourselves on the worldly things. Okay? Um, People that are uh, prone to do that, they are uh, also prone to, uh, 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 to think about uh, the, uh, um, um, there's a, a spirituality in less uh, uh, strict, st- a less strict way. And so that, that's what also Satan is counting on. Um, so separation from Christ uh, takes a variety of forms and compromise with the world. And um, so once you start going in that direction, it becomes very difficult to resist the power 
and to stop. Keep that in mind. You'll see this a little bit later on when we discuss. When, uh, it, once you start sliding, okay, sliding is a, is a gradual process. Just like becoming uh, faithful and uh, um, is a gradual process. Sliding from the church or from, the, uh, from God is a gradual process. And we need to make sure that we don't come to the point where we start ridiculing, uh, ridiculing our former zeal and devotion because it was, we were fanatics and we were, we were not, we were not, um, uh, uh, we should not have been as strict as, as we were. And that's usually what happens if you go too far. And um, so I will have upon the ground as my agents men holding false doctrines. That's another one. False doctrines mingled with just enough truth. And I will show you the example uh, very shortly what that means and how that works. And also unbelieving ones that are going to express the doubts in regards to the Lord's messages uh, warning his people. Expressing doubts in the spirit of prophecy is what, what she's saying here. So uh, if you start doing that, you're going the wrong, uh, that, that, that's a sign that you are going in the wrong direction if you start doubting the message because the God gave the message to this church uh, in such a fashion that you have to keep the whole message together. You cannot say, well, I don't want to believe in the Sabbath, but I want to keep the commandments. That's okay. Uh, judgment is okay, but the Sabbath is not. Okay? Well, if you take the Sabbath out, then you're taking the uh, Ten Commandments out. Well, if you take the Ten Commandments out, you're taking the judgment out because the judgment is based on Ten Commandments. So you, you, the whole thing falls apart. So you cannot take any part of the Adventist beliefs and, 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 and call that unimportant. Cannot do that. So that's, that's something that, you need, that we need to be worried about and understand when we talk about the, the, the teachings of the Adventist church. Okay. Because Satan also counts on keeping us ignorant, as I said before. If you don't study, if you don't read, and uh, they, uh, he can easily divert our attentions from the, from the warnings that God gave in Spirit of Prophecy and keep us ignorant until the probation closes. Once the probation closes, then he's done. He doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Okay? He's done. And that's what we have to uh, also keep in mind as we go to these end time events. And um, um, I don't know if you, if you study the end time events. Well, in reality, nobody really knows when the uh, probation will close. Okay? We have some indi- uh, indications when the probation will close, but we do not know for sure. How are we going to know uh, when the probation closes when the seven plagues start falling? That's what we will really, really will know. God's people will not know, and of course the world will not know exactly the time or date or uh, point in time when, when and God says, enough is enough, okay, with this world. I had enough of it. And um, so we will not know, but uh, you have some indications uh, that, uh, the, that, that the probation has closed based on the, uh, on the seven plagues and some other things that, that uh, I discussed uh, with my class. And um, so keep in mind that, that, that that's what his plan is. Um, again, until probation closes, God will not permit his word to be slighted with impunity. And uh, well, if we keep uh, souls deceived for a time, God's mercy will be withdrawn. This is the, the, his plan. And uh, then once the probation closes then we have a full control of those people. Okay. So that's what his plan is. And uh, another way to keep the people uh, away from Christ is uh, distraction, divisions, destroying their anxiety for their own souls. Okay. If you think you're okay, you're ready for heaven, and you have nothing else to worry about, your heart is ready for heaven, you're not going to be on guard. You're not going to be vigilant. And you are uh, going to relax a little bit. And that's the problem. 
That's the problem. We should never get relaxed and we should never think ourselves we are ready for heaven and there's nothing else we can do right now. I mean, the heart is ready. The, the, no, that should never ever happen. Even after probation closes, we'll be still praying for God to forgive us, to forgive us and prepare us. Um, so then what will we do? If you don't have to worry about yourself, you start criticizing, judging, accusing, condemning people, and um, cherish selfishness and enmity and so on. So uh, these are things that, uh, that people do when they have nothing else to worry about. Okay? So that's one thing that we need to be careful about when we, uh, as we go through a, through, a, through a sanctification process, which is a lifelong, lifelong process. And... Um, so, uh, that's something that we be cognizant of it. <clears throat> now, um, Satan has implemented this plan before that we just mentioned. Okay? And not completely to the, uh, to the, fa- to the point where he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again, but it's going to be a little bit different uh, uh, in the future. But in the past, he has implemented his plan and his ideas that we just saw. Okay? And we're going to find out now how he did this in the Adventist church. And maybe we can learn by example. That's the whole point here. He says if you don't learn from history, you are bound to repeat it. So we don't want to repeat the history. That's the whole point. So we're going to take some examples from the, uh, from the uh, Adventist history and see how people have apostatized, and what happened to them, and what were they teaching, and why did people uh, accept these apostasies. First person on my list is D.M. Kenwright's apostasy, and uh, in 1889 he wrote a book called The Seventh-day Adventist uh, Renounced, and um, he, um, until until he died, he always was... um, he left the church, he never came back. And there's a statement here that is, uh, that is uh, deceitful. I mean, uh, deceitful. Um, the system, and this is from his book. The system of the SDA rests in, uh, for its foundation on the unsupported theories. Okay? That part of the statement is not true. All our teachings are in the Bible. All our teachings were uh, acquired by understanding, reading the Bible, and the prayers on the knees. That's how our, our uh, 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 people that started the church uh, have what they have done. So this statement is not true. This part of the statement. Now, if you go on, it says, it's also based on the uneducated old, old farmer, William Miller, and that part is true. He was not educated, and uh, the dreams of a totally uneducated, unread, and sickly, excitable girl, referring to Ellen G. White. Okay? Was he, was, well, did she dream? Yes. Was she educated? No. Was she, uh, uh, was she unread? Yes. She was not unread. She was unread. And uh, was she sickly? Yes. Excitable? I'm not sure about that. So that statement, A and B, are kind of a true. Okay? So what do we have here? We have a, uh, um, uh, a um, combination of truth and error in one statement. We need to be able to, to discriminate and understand what is true, what is not true. Um, so, and this is a good example of it. At the end of his life in 1919, he told his brother, uh, stay with the message, I left, and I know I'm a dying, a dying lost man. Okay, so he finally realized that he made a big mistake, but it was too late for him. It was too late for him. Holy Spirit left him, and he's, he was done. He was done. A dying, lost man, and that's what happened with uh, Kenwright. Okay, here we go to Alpha Apostasy with John Harvey Kello. In 1902, in February, uh, the uh, Seventh-day Adventist Sanitarium in Battle Creek burned to the ground. Okay? And uh, it was burned to the ground in just a couple of words here because of mismanagement and because of uh, not teaching, uh, uh, not uh, adhering to the 
to the uh, teachings of the Adventist Church, and uh, Kellogg prevented uh, Kellogg prevented uh, from any kind of a religious teaching in, in, uh, in the sanitarium, and God got burned into a ground. Okay, in 1902, uh, and Mrs. White told Kellogg, "Do not, under no circumstances, rebuild at Bellow Creek, the same sanitarium." Sanitarium. Kellogg was coming from uh, California, and uh, he found out from a newspaper in Chicago that the uh, sanitarium burned. So from Chicago to Bellow Creek, uh, on the train, he, was, he started working on the new plans for the new building. And um, against the, the advice of Ellen G. White. And Again, leadership kind of uh, gave in a little bit, and they said they suggested that the Kellogg write a book, medical book, to raise the money for a new building, and that's what he did do. Now, notice the book he wrote. Okay, <laughs> he's shaking his head. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Um, the Living Temple Teachings or the Pantheism is the. This is what Kellogg wrote. Now, Kellogg was educated in Adventist institutions. Kellogg was. Um, supported by Ellen G. White in his education. So he was a Seventh-day Adventist uh, as, as much as, as one can be initially. And yet he came up with this book. Now Kellogg is, is an intelligent person. Remember, Satan didn't choose just about anybody for his work. He chose brightest and the best, uh, best people that he can find. So he found uh, Kellogg because he's, uh, he's good uh, good, pe- good person, very articulate person. And um, so in the book he says that sunlight is a visible Shekinah and a human body is the power which builds. God is in me and every single act. I uh, uh, act is a creative work of God. God was in the grass and trees and plants, which is not true. Um, heaven is where God is, that's not true. And God is everywhere. That's true. He's everywhere because through the Holy Spirit. So God does control and manages the universe through the Holy Spirit. And of course, he's everywhere. He knows everything that's going on in the whole universe. And look at this one. Heart was the sanctuary to be cleansed. Okay? Now, if that's true, just that one statement, okay, what happens with everything else? What happens in 1844? What happened to the sanctuary doctrine that we have? What happens to the uh, judgment uh, message? And all this falls apart. Okay? And I would say that, that, the, uh, that Kellogg knew better about why he did this and why he started believing this. Uh, it's, it's beyond me. I, I don't know. So what happened with, the, with, his, uh, with his message over his... Uh, um, uh, book and what his teachings. This is interesting. GC Review Committee approved the book. Now that tells you a lot about the leadership in the church, doesn't it? Okay, but Autumn Council of 1902 did not want the book published. Okay, so we are split here, half and half, 50 50. Okay. He also accept, he also uh, 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 got following behind him with uh, you know some really good, uh, intelligent people in the church. He attracted a lot of people who are dissatisfied with the church, and he also were, uh, were uh, attracted or gifted men trained in theology and medicine. So you're talking about uh, something that. Uh, uh, that he had power of persuasion unexplainable in human terms. He was a very persuasive person. He would call, call meetings at night, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, when people are not really... Uh, um, yes. Uh, and they, they, you know, they, they cannot think straight. And uh, he would... He, he's very always good with the, with the English language, and he was very powerful describing things. So he was able to persuade or convince people uh, to do things his way. And um, now, you think, well, how and why would anybody believe, and I would call it a garbage, really, in the living temple? 
Why would anybody accept a living temple? I mean, that's, to- that's not biblical. It's totally outside the, the logic, outside the Bible. It makes no sense. Okay? Do not ever underestimate the power of Satan. Okay? Once the wave takes over a church or a situation, it is hard to stop, no matter how bad it is. Uh, why does the Bible say, follow not to multitudes? Remember that statement in the fifth, in the uh, Deuteronomy, I believe it is? The reason for that is because w- once you are in that situation with the multitudes, you have to do what everybody else is doing. Okay? And that's what's happening here. He got the following, he got the people, and anybody within that circle, his circle of, of influence, were affected. Okay? So keep in mind that, that we are not to follow just anybody. We follow Jesus Christ, we follow the Bible, Amen. and we follow the councils of L.M.G. White, which is based on the Bible. Um, now, let me just tell you what happens to the church when you start uh, uh, working with the world or trying to, uh, uh, to, um, uh, to gain uh, uh, some knowledge of, uh, to stay in, be in the world so that, that you, can, you can make some profit out of it. Look at the statements here. Review and Held was accepting the outside printing orders. Because they were accepting orders from outside, Kellogg placed the order, and that was accepted. Okay? If Review and Herald was not taking orders from outside, what would happen here in this, in this uh, three-step process? The Kellogg would not uh, submit the order because he would knew ahead of time that the Review and Herald would not accept the order, number one. Number two, um, the review and held management would have saved the building. Okay? Now we'll see in the next slide, the building proved uh, burned to the ground um, just before the book, the, just before the, uh, uh, the Kellogg's book was printed. Okay? And here we go. In 1902, the same year that, that, that the Adventist Church lost sanitarium, 1902 in December, that if you were held, burn, or held burnt to the ground. And um, it burned along with the plates for the living temple. Okay? See what happens when you make a wrong decision? A day when the building burned, the manager of the review and hell was talking to the general conference president. Uh, they were chit chatting, I guess, in front of a building or something. And um, the manager was boasting uh, or bragging about the profits for that year, how well the how well the review and hell did for accepting these orders from outside. Okay, he was he was bragging about a little bit, and he was sort of proud of himself how well he was able to manage and get the business in from the outside and so on. On the same day at night, I think uh, 6, 6 p.m. or something, 7 p.m., the building started burning. It says that not even the, uh, the, uh, the emergency service could stop the flame. No matter what they did, no matter how much water they, they put on, on, on the water, uh, on, the, uh, on the flames, it was like putting the, the, uh, the gasoline on it. They couldn't stop it. And in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, in that, uh, the, the, uh, after it was burned, the plates were there too. The, uh, 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 the Kellogg's plates. And um, so th- this, is, this is what happens when we compromise with the world. This is what happens when we're thinking profit in my mind. I mean, if you're outside the church, yeah, you have to think about the profit because the company, the stockholders, accepts you, uh, expects you to have profit, to produce a profit. You have to have that. That's true. But this is different. This is different. This is a church institution. They're supposed to serve the church, not the outside vendors. Okay? 
So if if they didn't follow the the, uh, the sequence of of supporting out uh, or getting or uh, accepting the order from outside, they would have saved the building. Most likely, I'm not sure for for 100, but most likely they would have uh, saved the building, uh, and it would not burn because the the, uh, uh, the plates for Kellogg's book would not be uh, printed, uh, would not be used. Um, <clears throat> And Mrs. White says that this is the alpha of deadly heresies. And she says there will be omega. Now, as you know, Greek alphabet has alpha, omega, first and last letter of the alphabet. And uh, <clears throat> the last omega apostasy is going to be much worse than the alpha apostasy. And we're going to see that in a minute here. So uh, we need to be ready for that. Uh, and... Um, We also have another person here, uh, LBM. And along with also what he said about LNG White, um, I have not the slightest desire in any way to, to weaken in the smallest degree the good influence of her or Mrs. White's life and work. He said that uh, in 1941, Mrs. White died in 1915, and he, um, I don't know what, what this actually means, that he really uh, confessed or that he really... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Uh, but that's what he said about her. So he was a very complex uh, individual. Kellogg was a person that one day he would support energy white, next day he would criticize her. Okay. That's him. That was, that was him. And this why I had a very difficult time with him. And the problem is with him because he was a very influential person. And he was a charge of sanitarium. He was, uh, you know, he was a well-known personality in the church. Okay. Another person that, uh, that Satan selected uh, for the heresy and, um, is Albion, I think you pronounce it, Bell- Bollinger. And look at his characteristics. I put this in, uh, Satan chose a good man, handsome man, charismatic, persuasive, likable, uh, rich, disarming, sweetness, uh, is, uh, good language. And the look at the sentence, to, do, to, uh, to disbelieve him seemed almost like rejecting one's own senses. This is where we have to be careful. This is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, you have to be careful. You have, that's why you need to know the truth. Because you don't want anybody coming to you and speak so nicely and so uh, um, disarmingly that you just give up and say, yes, that's the way it is. No. This is, and um, he had a powerful command of his both words and emotions, and he was also convinced that he had a new light. This is Bollinger. And What Bollinger was about and what he ta- taught is about de-emphasizing distinctive beliefs of the Adventist church. He wanted to take uh, from uh, uh, news, uh, magazines and uh, newspapers and books, take out the word Seventh-day Adventist. Or take out the word uh, Sabbath and Ten Commandments and stuff like that. Try to bring us closer to the world so that the world would patronize uh, the magazine and bring more money in. That's why Mrs. White had a Salamanca vision where she told the leaders, you don't touch anything. Leave it alone. We are here for a specific reason and we have distinctive beliefs that nobody else does. Don't touch it. Okay? Now, one other teaching from him is that that Christ went to the most holy place uh, when he went to heaven. And we know he didn't. I'm asking you a question right now. Where in the Bible, very quickly, in 30 seconds, where in the Bible can you prove that, that Christ did not go to the most holy place? Matthew? Did you say Matthew? Anybody else? Quick? I don't have much time because uh, my time is running out. Um, it's in Revelation. Look at the Revelation, uh, first chapter. Where did John see Jesus? Among candlesticks. Candlesticks are not in the most holy place. They were in a holy place, not in the most holy place. That's a quick reference to uh, where 
uh, how to prove that, that this statement is not right. Christ did not go to the most holy place. Now, if he did, what happens to the judgment? Okay, what happens to 1844? Okay, everything falls apart. So, uh, all these teachings and heresies and stuff uh, is, uh, is against the, uh, uh, the elementary teachings of the Adventist Church. Um, he wrote a book called Cast Out for the Cross of Christ. <laughs> Very interesting title. Cast Out for the Cross of Christ. Uh, trust, uh, Christ. And he wrote to Mrs. White. He says, what? And he came up, by the way, uh, in order to prove this point that Jesus went to the most holy place, he accumulated about 35 texts from the Bible. 35 texts. If you're not familiar with, uh, with the teachings and you're not, you haven't studied it, the 35 texts can be overwhelming and could be very uh, convincing that he's right. Okay? So, um, Mrs. White told him, he says, uh, these texts are true, but he has placed them where they do not belong. Okay? So that's, this is the answer. So all these teachings that, that he had, 2300 days, 1844, rescue judgment, all this falls apart if you were to take any one of his teachings. Any one of his teachings, not the whole thing, just any one of them. One that Christ went to the most holy place. All this falls apart. Okay? You can, uh, and tramping by the false teachings, uh, once you accept the bait, and um, you are, it's almost impossible to get out of it. So we need to be really careful about these things when they do come into our church. Okay? Really have to be careful with these things. And you wouldn't even know it. That's the, that's the clicker here. You would not even know it. You would not know that you're deceived. You wouldn't even know there's a problem. Okay, and that's that's where we need to be well, examining ourselves all the time. What the Bible says, and make sure that we understand what we believe in and, and why we believe it. Omega apostasy is going to be uh, more deadly than the Alpha, and it will come on those who are not willing to listen to the spirit of prophecy, and it will, it will definitely attack the basic doctrines of the Adventist Church. They always do. Always do. I'm almost done here, by the way. Um, and it will be in the name of Reformation. Mrs. White talks about Reformation. She talks about the new books being written. And uh, it's all in the name of Reformation. The old is out, the new is uh, in uh, idea. And um, so this is what's going to, that's what's coming to us in the last days. You know, remember shaking, shaking and sifting in the church? That's, this is part of it. The Omega is part of it. And she says that she trembles uh, for our people and most startling nature. Okay? So this is definitely going to be a lot more influential and a lot more spread in the Adventist church than the, uh, than the Alpha was, the Omega. If you understand the first, and that's why I mentioned uh, uh, the details a little bit more uh, in my, my presentation, if you understand the first one, you will recognize the second one. Okay? That's why I gave you a little more details about Bollinger and uh, uh, Pentheism and so on. And uh, Ken Wright. Self-examination. Bible does teach that we should examine ourselves and our hearts all the time. Not just once a week when you come to church. All the time, every single day. Examine yourselves because examination of ourselves also guard us against self-deception. Okay? We could be deceived very easily, like I said, without even knowing it. And, but if you examine yourself, um, you, will, you will definitely be able to avoid this problem. Um, avoid being becoming the agent of Satan. Ask God to show you where changes in your character are necessary. That's a tough prayer. Have you ever tried to pray, say, in the morning, Lord, show me what's wrong with me today? Okay, have you ever tried that? I try a couple of times, it's very scary. Okay, because I see myself uh, in the, during the day, I see myself uh, being the person that I don't want to be. Okay, 
if I persist and if I don't pray, if I don't do anything about it, that's going to keep me from heaven. So we need to pray this prayer every single day. And I said the note here, otherwise there's no heaven. Okay, remember, only holy people go to heaven. Okay, not a single person with any defects will be there. Any defects, any defects. Okay, pray the Holy Spirit to help you overcome and uh, study your Bible, study the 28 fundamental beliefs, be prepared to witness about the end time issues. Amen. That's very important at the end of, uh, end of that. How do you witness to a person across, across the, uh, your neighbor? How do you tell, give somebody a Bible study in five minutes? Five minutes, Bible study on the, on the uh, 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 Revelation 13. How do you do that? If you have to know your Bible, you have to know where you're coming from, you have to, in your mind, you have to have a, 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 a clear understanding about the mark of the beast, what this is for, why, and in five minutes you should also prove this from the Bible to the person across the, uh, across the fence. And that's what I'm talking about. Because we need to be able to, uh, to, uh, to witness at the end of time. We need to be able to, how do you do it? You have to know your Bible, at least the basics. You know, uh, the, the Revelation 13, the, uh, uh, the Sabbath, the Ten Commandments, the Judgment, the uh, uh, state of the dead, because that's going to be prevalent in the last days. Uh, most people believe that, that you, know, you don't die when you die. And um, so those things that we need to be able to prove from the Bible at the end of time. That's why I mentioned it says end of time issues must be there. And of course we know from First Thessalonians, this is Thessalonians, not Timothy, Thessalonians that God really wants to save us. He wants to preserve us. He wants to sanctify us. He wants to get us ready for heaven. He's in business of saving people. Not in business of making money. He doesn't need it. He's in business of saving people. Okay? And we have encouragement here. He wants, us, uh, he wants to, us to be ready when he comes, preserve us, blame us, and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and make us holy. And what did we say is this holiness that God wants us to be? Remember this from the past? What does it mean to be holy? Hmm? Not sinning. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. That's what holiness that God is referring to. Stop sinning. Stop sinning. <clears throat> now, um, examine yourself, your mind. First, you must analyze your motives. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Yeah, I know, Angel. I, I, I'm, I take a little bit of time. Why am I saying what I'm saying? And why am I doing what I'm doing? You have to ask yourself these questions. I cannot do this for you. Nobody can. But you have to do it yourself. And you will. It controls your thoughts. And you've got to analyze this every single, examine this every single day. Do not forget that the Satan, all he has to do is plant a small evil seed in your heart. That is all he has to do. Okay, You can be as holy as you want. You can believe all the teachings of the Bible. You can come to church every Sabbath. But if he has that little seed in your body, in your heart, you do it. Well, not you, well, me too. I mean, everybody. It will be the same for everybody. Okay? So one insignificant evil spot will keep you from heaven. Okay? And you would not even know it. Let me tell you a little story. This is a true story. I did not make up, make up this story. This is a quick one. A lady by the name of Marianne. Seventh-day Adventist for, for her entire life. Seventh-day Adventist from day one. And um, she always believed in the Bible. She always was ready to welcome Jesus in heaven. Uh, when it comes to uh, for earth, couldn't, she couldn't wait. And she was talking about heaven all the time. On and on. This, this, uh, and I, I know this lady. And this went on for years. And... Not, not long ago, last year sometimes, um, a lady by the name of Lillian. She, Lillian was not a Seventh-day Adventist. She was, uh, she was educated. She had a degree in law. And she spoke to Marianne and, and, told, uh, and, and after this conversation, uh, I, I uh, had a chance to talk to Lillian. And Lillian says, Mike, you know something? There's something evil in the, in the heart of this woman. Okay. I said, well, wait a minute now. She's in the church for day one. What do you mean there's something evil? 
I said, well, what do you mean? Give me some more details. And she did give me some details. And she was absolutely right. Lillian was absolutely right. There was something in this woman that was there all the time, and nobody was paying attention. Nobody saw it. She didn't see it. And uh, uh, it was there part of her nature or part of her character. Okay? I'm not judging this uh, Marianne because I don't know if God is going to take care of this and take it to heaven. Uh, that's, that's not my job. All I'm telling you is this. Be careful that the evil seed is not planted in your heart. If it is, you need to be able to recognize it with the Holy Spirit and take it out. That's why this prayer in the morning, Lord, what's wrong with me? Try it. Please see what happens. Try it. Try praying the prayer. Okay, a couple more and I'm done. Two more verses. Uh, we need to develop this heavenly character. And Mrs. Wright wrote in 1868, she told her son, Edson, the heavenly character must be acquired on earth. Okay? This is the place to, to, uh, to, uh, to uh, acquire this, this heavenly character, to build a character. Otherwise, no chance. Because the character is the only thing we take to heaven. Nothing else from this planet. Now, I don't know about what you think about this question. I took put this in a, a little kind of teaser or something. If you could, would you allow yourself into heaven? Um, in order to answer this question, you have to know a little bit about heaven, by the way. And you have to know a little bit, or not a little bit, a lot about yourself. Who are you? What are you? What is your heart? Where is your heart? And if you had a chance to go from earth to heaven, would you go there? Would you be happy in heaven? This is something that you have to answer every single day to yourself. Don't ask me to, uh, to answer this question. I cannot do that. So would you, if you could, would you allow yourself to go to heaven? And the last one, the last test for all of us is the following. To stand in defense of truth and righteousness. Where the majority forsake us, to fight the battle of the Lord uh, when champions are few, this will be our test. This is in uh, five testimonies, page 136. We must gather warmth from the coldness of others, courage from their uh, cowardice, and loyalty from their reason, uh, from the treason. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is, will be our test at the end of the uh, Pray to pass this test. Thank you, brothers and sisters. God bless you. May the Lord uh, help you understand this, put it uh, in practice in your life, and um, maybe with with him, we're with you. And um, I hope that uh, you learn something today from this presentation. We give glory to Jesus and uh, and, and to Father uh, forever and ever. We praise His name for the information that He gave us. This is something that, that the other churches do not preach, do not have like we do. So we praise the Lord for it. And we thank him for all the blessings and enjoy and the opportunity to, uh, to be with him for eternity. Amen.